Hello, and welcome to the Pep Talk. We are back. Uh, first off-season episode, at least. Going to be talking mostly about some transfer targets. Um, you know, since a lot has happened in the last three, four weeks since the Champions League. Feels great to be treble winners, though. I will say that. How you feeling, Jason? Yeah, man. Look, man, it's been a while. It's been it's been a good month. We have we've almost had a month break. But I think it was needed with the um the intensity of, of last season. Um and you know, with all the transfer stuff happening, most stuff starts picking up now in terms of sales and buys, but we'll we'll, we'll jump into that soon. But yeah, I just want to say how how you feeling, man? How you how you going? How's your how's your break been? It's been wonderful. It's been calming. I, I honestly like Football did wear me out for a little bit, so I was just like, yeah. it's nice to get a little break. Um, obviously, you still get the news. It's like I wake up every day and there's some sort of transfer news, but that's like that's a different type of excitement. It's excitement going towards next season, um, but it is nice and relaxing. It is weird that in like, what, a little over a month, we're going to start playing again? Um, Less. <laughs> so that's... Yeah, so so preseason trading starts in nine days or, or ten days, um, and then we've got our first preseason game. I think in three weeks. So, well, yeah, fuck man. the preseason. I don't care about the preseason. <laughs> I'm talking about real games. It's it's still you see you get, you get to see the ball being kicked around. That's the other question. Do you miss the ball being kicked around yet? Yeah, <laughs> do, do you have the? Itch? I I do, but I cannot watch the preseason games. I just I hate them. I think they're pointless. I think they they don't really add much to. Yeah, I agree. Like, look, they don't, I still they watch don't really them. add much to. Yeah, I'm sometimes I do. I still watch but, them. I, I I like I like watching them for just to see how the new players are going, and and you get to see a glimpse of some young players as well. So I don't know if many people remember last season. Um, Rico Lewis. Bayern. Yeah, Rico Lewis. Man, everyone everyone remembers that little move that he did, and I think he hit the post. Um, but that was his breakout. Preseason game, and then you know, six months later, he's <laughs> he's benched a bunch of players and playing in the midfield of in the middle of the season. So you look, you don't know what you're gonna see in the preseason. I think it's a, it's a it's a good way of getting a, a gauge of maybe some young players, some players how they get a fit. Um, but look, we've got nine days for tra- for training. I'm hoping Cancelo is gone by then because that'll be a bit awkward. <laughs> I, did, yeah, I, if, I doubt he'll be back in training. I bet yeah. they'll keep him out even if he even yeah, if he's not do. done by then. Yeah. I wonder, does does he get a Champions League medal? I heard he does. I don't know. I think he it does. It would be nice. He'd win a quadruple, wouldn't he? Like a Champions <laughs> League medal. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. Bundesliga medal, a Premier League medal, and maybe an FA Cup. But I don't think he would win the FA Cup. I don't think he played in it. But yeah, that's maybe. True. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, has has the you know we haven't talked since the the last pod after the treble. Has it sunk in yet? You know, being treble winners, being Champions League winners. Honestly, it still hasn't. It's really weird. Like I don't. It doesn't feel that real yet. I don't yeah. know why. Maybe it'll start feeling more real next year when we come back from playing and and we're Champions League winners. But it it just. It, it still it's starting to sink in more. Like I've been watching all these different like YouTube videos and they're like thirty minute videos about City's road to the finals and 
whatever. And they're all <laughs> really well done. They're all I'm really done well done. Thing. But yeah, it's 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 starting to sink in, but it still hasn't yet. As crazy as that sounds. Yeah. It's, what about it's, you? It's, it, it, I'm waiting for the um. So City usually do like an end of season documentary slash video. I'm kind of yeah. waiting for that. They did they did that really really cool 20 minute video. If you haven't seen it on the Man City YouTube channel, watch it. It is it was actually emotional watching it, just watching it. Um and hearing, you know, the little things the that Pep said and, you know, Kevin De Bruyne was saying like that we did it, we did it. I got a bit emotional. It was it was a f- fucking great edit. Absolute great edit. Um but yeah, I'm waiting I'm waiting for like the documentary for the end of the season, but for me in terms of sinking in not yet not fully <laughs> not fully there'll, there'll be just moments where i'll be just like you know you know like you have shower thoughts or like you're driving and you, you know your mind's just wandering off i was like hmm we just won we won we won the champions league oh yeah we did the treble oh yeah cool <laughs> and it's it's kind of in a weird way it's made my um i'm a bit content with how this off season's going in terms of transfers in terms of outgoings in terms of income it's like whatever flow like water i'm easy you know what i mean like, yeah that's that's like, kind of the other thing is i'm so relaxed like, i'm so relaxed i'm much more relaxed about transfers than yeah, i man, was previously just, exactly the way i look at it now it's just like Meh, it, 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 it'll work out <laughs> like it can't it can't get any better than what we did last season so it can get better. Like you could do a quad, or you could do back-to-back Champions League, right? But right now, I'm so content with what we achieved, and because it's it's only, it's been a month, right? Like a lot of people are already like, you know, getting into the to the preseason and off season, and you're getting ready for next season. But it's like we just done the trouble. Whatever happens, we're gonna be fine. And um, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. But that's for me how I feel right now. So I'm still pretty content and hasn't fully, fully sunk in. I think it won't until the next season kicks off, you know, until we get into, I think, probably to the Community Shield against Arsenal in August, um, maybe even the Super Cup. But, like, there's so many things still to play for in just a month's time, two months' time. So, you know, that's a month away, <laughs> if you think about it. It's literally a month away. Yeah, and I think that's the other thing kind of just going into the transfer window is right now it's July 4th, my time. That, like the transfer window just started and Basically, it yeah. feels like it's moving so fast, but we still got plenty of time. We still got two months. So yeah. a lot of things can happen between now and then, but essentially like this podcast, we're just going to be assessing where we are right now at this moment. Um, so let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's start with the first official signing Mateo Kovacic. Uh, what do you think of this signing? Um, I think something that we got to consider is maybe before we get into the Kovacic signing, the outgoing that happened just before in Gundogan. Um, so we've lost a vital piece of our team. The captain, you know, clutch goals, fantastic servant of the club, you know, seven years where provided so many moments like you can look through a highlight reel for Gundogan and he'll have just amazing goals FA Cup final against uh, Aston Villa clutch moments in the Champions League constantly key goals key key moments you know controlling the midfield the tempo of our midfield a lot of the times 
Um, but you know, he's he if you read his um, his uh, try what is it called the place tribute article? I'm not sure if you've read it. Yeah, the players tribune. Yeah, yeah. The, if you haven't read it, by the way, read it. It is a very very good read. You get a bit of an insight from a player's side um, of how things went and the Champions League and all those things. And one of the things he pointed out was, does it get better from here? And he left on probably the best possible note, I'd say. Um, so from a, from a perspective of what else can he achieve at Man City? You know, he's won five Premier League titles. He's won a Champions League. He's done a treble. He's done FA Cup, League Cup. He's won everything that he can possibly win here besides the Club World Cup, which is... I don't think many players value it as much as as much as maybe they should or shouldn't, but it's probably not that important to them. Um, at the end of the day, the, the Champions League is the, the, the club goal. Um, and he got that. And he, he's leaving on, on, on a high note. And in saying that, so the Kovacic signing is a bit of a relief from that, right? So to me, that signing is it's basically the Gundogan signing, the Gundogan replacement signing. At first, I thought it would be like a backup option to whatever midfielder we got. And I know we'll get into this a little bit later um, with us wanting another midfielder. Um, but right now, it feels like a one-for-one one replacement. And I think it's a good replacement. Um, Kovacic's class, you know, he's he's got that fantastic ball retention. He's got really good passing ability. The only thing he lacks is probably goal scoring. He's not he's not Gundogan when it comes to goal scoring. He doesn't have that. As that yeah, as but also Pep's- Gundogan didn't have that. When he came to City, yeah, I, like he, I guess he didn't you, score many goals at Dortmund. Yeah, I guess you could say that. But is Kovacic really going to become that at, at 30 years old? Probably not. It's probably too late for that. You know, he would have shown more signs of it. He's he's not. He's just not a clinical finisher when he's in front of goal. Um, well, I'll, I'll talk about that in a sec. But continue. Yeah. So I, I feel like we are losing something in Gundogan, no matter what we do. And and this is something that we you know. I feel like people always try to do when it comes to transfers, it's you're never going to get a one-for-one one replacement. No matter what you do, you know, when you lose David Silva, you're not getting a one-like-like replacement. When you lose Yaya Toure, you're not getting a like-like replacement. When you lose Fernandinho, you're not also getting a like-like replacement. But you see the players that we brought in over, over the years, like Rodri, like Kevin De Bruyne, like Bernardo, like Gundogan. When these players come in, they give you something different. And Kovacic will give us something a bit different. Um, in midfield, I think he's I think he's better probably defensively than than Gundogan, and I think he's probably got better ball retention and dribbling, and he's better of a carrier of the ball. But again, I, in my opinion, I don't think he's as good as he's never going to be as good as Gundogan was in front of goal. I don't think he does those driving runs forward or has that instinct about him. Um, but like I said, he'll give us something different. So I'm I'm not that concerned yet, but I do think. I do think there will be something for us to do in the future because, you know, I guess we'll get into this a bit, and I'll I'll, I'll let you go on 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 um, on Kovacic now um, before I jump into you know the midfield targets of the future or who we did go for um, this season and we didn't get. So go give me your opinion on Kovacic. Okay. <laughs> so here here's another short question for you, but. Do you think Kovacic was brought in to replace Gundogan, or do you think he was brought in for depth and it just so happened that Gundogan left, so they felt a little more comfortable now that they had him? I think both. 
yeah, both. Right, like a, a city, city as a team is very fluid, right? It's like we run a small squad and it it's fluid, right? So if a player fits in and he and he provides good quality minutes, that's all that matters, really, right? Yeah. So the kind of the way I looked at it is, I thought we were going to bring in Kovacic regardless of what happened with Gundogan, and it and I'll, essentially I'll if. Essentially, if Gundogan stayed, because I mean, I don't think we knew when we signed Kovacic. I don't think we knew Gundogan's decision by that point. Um, so, I, I think that we saw Co- we saw essentially Chelsea had to do a fire sale. Kovacic was a good price uh, with one year left on his contract, and said he liked him. They needed added depth in the midfield, even if Gundogan stayed, because. It seems clear, and we'll get on to this later, but it seems clear that Pep doesn't trust Calvin Phillips. So even if Gundogan stayed, he would either need Gundogan to play some more minutes at the six to give Rodri some rest, or he would need Kovacic to do that, right? So now that Gundogan has left, it feels a little better now that we have Kovacic in there for depth, but I don't think he was the quote-unquote replacement. I just think he was brought on for extra depth, now that Gundogan is gone, we're covered, essentially. Um, in terms of what I like about Kovacic, everything you said, I mean, I think was really good. He's he's a professional. He's been on a bunch of very good teams, won four Champions Leagues, never won a Premier League. But, I mean, he he's, he's a very good player all around, and... Didn't have the greatest of seasons last year at Chelsea, but who did? Quite honestly, like that was full of a bunch of good players and they all stunk. And so can you really blame them for that? But obviously, like I tend to trust Pep on these two because City have wanted him forever. We knew that. And they, they wanted him years ago before Chelsea got him. But then also, like we've seen him in the Premier League for years now and he's been very good in I would say maybe his best years were under Mauricio Sarri, which were probably the most Pep-like team. Like, the way they play was is very similar to how um, City play in terms of just, like, the principles of moving the ball quickly and positional play and that kind of stuff. And that's kind of where he thrived. In terms of scoring goals, I think... I don't think he'll be Gundogan, obviously. Like, Gundogan was very good in front of goal. But I think he'll score more than he did at Chelsea because he played really deep for Chelsea like most of his career, right? Like he he yep. never really made runs into the box because that was never his job. And so I, I don't know if I would say that he's not clinical in front of goal. I just – he never really got in front of goal, so we don't really know. And I think it's similar to Rice. Like if Rice were to, were to have come to City and play – a more advanced role than he did at West Ham, I'm sure he'd score more goals than he would at West Ham, right? So I think Kovacic will score a decent number of goals. Um, but is he going to be Gundogan? Gundogan was our leading scorer one year? Probably not, no. Uh, yeah, but I think he'll yeah. score more than he did at uh, at Chelsea for sure because he's just going to be playing higher up the pitch most of the time. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like Kovacic's role in the team will, will be similar to when Bernardo plays midfield. You know, you know what I mean? Like that role that Bernardo plays when he's sitting next to Rodri 
or, or just a bit in front. Which right. role? He plays a million <laughs> roles in midfield. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly, right? But that's why it's hard to, to pinpoint exactly which role. But it's more of that role when, when Bernardo's playing with Kevin De Bruyne and Rodri or, or when he used to play with Fernandinho, but more when he used to play with Rodri where he used to sit closer to Rodri. I feel like he, he'd fit that role. And when Bernardo did play that role, he didn't score as much. Um, Gundogan just likes to go forward and likes to get in the box, but he's just got... Gunnar's just got this instinct of when to go and when not to go. It's, I guess it's something that's very hard to teach. Um, and, you know, Gunnar's had the advantage of playing in our team for so long. So he gets the system almost perfectly. So he knows when to go forward. Look, I'm hoping I'm hoping Kovic just hits the ground running because we're going to need it. I, I don't think Kevin De Bruyne is going to be fit for the first month of the season. Um with his grade three hamstring tear. They're saying he should be back by the start of the season, but I, I think he'll be eased in knowing how City manage injuries. So, and Phil, Phil will probably play in that role a lot as well. So it'll be interesting to see how we start the season, especially in midfield. Um, and preseason, <laughs> preseason will tell us a lot as well on, on how, how that's going to look. So also, I don't know, like I think Kovacic, can play next to Rodri, I don't think he will very often. And I'll tell you why. Because kind of the way we're set up in the back is the three and the two. And it's yeah. and you know it seems like from reports that's what we're doubling down on. Like we're not going to get any fullbacks really. It's going to be three defenders, uh, yeah, proper so, defenders at the back, yeah, yeah. and then the two. So if you put Kovacic next to Rodri, then all you have is three actual center backs, and and generally we like to play with four, where one of them steps into midfield. Yes, sorry, sorry. When I when I mean next to Rodri, I mean like slightly in front of Rodri. Yeah, Some of, yeah, yeah. I I think he'll play more of how Gundogan played under the three two, where it was like a little more advanced, um, and out to the left, and Gundogan would go like wide left a lot to go receive the ball, and. He, him and De Bruyne would kind of be the people who would progress it through. Like, they would get the ball through the lines and then progress. I think that's how yeah. Kovacic uh, could be. And Kovacic, so... Kovacic is good with progressing the ball. Yeah, like, he's a, very good. That's very... Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, and I think I think he'll be... He'll, he'll kind of suit Haaland a little bit better in, in my mind. I don't know if you agree with that, but I feel like his style of play will suit Haaland a lot. Um, in terms of like you know finding those runs for Haaland, um, that's my that, that's my feeling right now. But we'll see. There's a there's a lot to unravel. But you know, and we're talking about other midfield options. Um, you know, we did put a we did put a bid in for Rice. I think it was eighty million plus ten million, so ninety million total package. Um, and then Arsenal beat up by about fifteen million for a hundred million, five million in add-ons, so hundred five million package. And that looks to be done basically today. I think it's probably going to get done. By the sounds of it, I think they there was a report today that came out that they have agreed the payment terms and all that, all the financial stuff that they need to do. But that's basically done. What, yeah. what do you, what are your feelings around how our midfield rebuild is going? So, the way I look at Rice is now that Gundogan's leaving, they went in for Rice because. They really liked Rice. Like, I think City generally have, like, two types of transfers. They have transfers where they need that position, and they have a list of multiple people 
and they just go down the list, right? Like we're going to start at the top and keep going down because we need to fill that position. Very similar to when we signed Ruben Diaz, right? First name was Koulibaly. Second name was Kunde. Third name, Ruben Diaz. And so by it, we had to sign a center back that year, right? So got down to Ruben Diaz. It worked out, right? I'm glad we got Ruben over the other two guys um, <laughs> looking back on it. So, but then there's other transfers where it's like you go and get the guy, right? You really like him and you go and get him. And if it doesn't work out with that guy, oh, well, you're like, you're not in desperate need of that position where you don't have a list. It's more of like, you love that guy and that's it. And I think a good, a good one for that would be something like, um, would be like when we went for Harry Maguire the year before, right? We thought, okay, we like Harry Maguire. We're not going to overpay for him, but we like him. And if we don't sign him, we don't have any alternatives. We'll be fine next year. Laporte tore his ACL and we were not fine. But <laughs> City thought that they would be fine going into the season. So like we've had transfers like that before. I think it probably would have been similar. Same with like Jack Grealish. If we didn't land Grealish, I don't think we would have gotten another winger. Because at the time, uh, yeah, I, I agree with Phil that. Foden played left wing and Raheem Sterling was here who could also play left wing. So it was more of the, let's go get Grealish. If we don't get Grealish, oh well, but we like that guy. So we're going to go get him. I think that's what Rice was. Now that there was a spot open in the midfield because of Gundogan leaving, said he thought, okay, we have adequate cover with Kovacic, right? So let's go get this guy that we love. And if for a price that we would like, you know, obviously they didn't want to overpay for him. Um, And because that didn't work, oh, well, I, I don't think they're going to go for another midfielder unless somebody leaves or unless somebody they love comes up on the market. Yeah, I, I'm I'm completely with you on this. I, I'm I'm of the opinion right now that we actually won't sign another midfielder this season unless someone comes in the market like a Frankie De Jong or something like that, right? Which exactly which is very, like which which is very, he's like very, the only person. Unlikely. Yeah, he's the only very, person where if he agreed to leave Barcelona, City would be all over it. Yeah, I agree. So for me, and I, I think this is exactly what you're saying. So right now, I, I feel like we are in need of a midfield rebuild, rebuild. And I feel like this is kind of, there might be a bit of a reason why we let Gundogan go and why we didn't offer a three-year contract. I think that Gundogan's 32 years old. You know, you give him a three-year contract, you're just delaying the in, inevitable midfield rebuild that you need to do for this team. We, we've basically got a massive midfield rebuild coming, right? Rodri's position is secured. He's 27, 26. We're fine there, right? The backup option is Phillips at the moment. We're kind of fine, but not really. You know, I think if that doesn't get sorted this summer, it will get sorted next summer as well. Um, he might, they might, he might force himself to play one more season. But if he doesn't get the chances this season, he'll be definitely gone next season, right? So this is like a make or break season for Phillips if he does stay. But he might go. But in terms of the two forward positions, right now we've got Kevin De Bruyne. We've got Phil Foden, we've got Kovacic, and right now, Bernardo is still on the team. He can fill that position as well. So we do have four players that can play those two positions. However, there are, there are unknowns within all that, right? So like I said, the midfield is aiming. 
Kevin De Bruyne is not. He's says thirty-one. He's getting injury prone. Same with Kovacic. He's not a young player either. So I feel like I'm exactly with you here. With when it comes to Rice, it was a player they looked at and said we like him. He's a ninety million offer. That's our valuation. That's what we think he's worth. If you want to accept it, accept it. If you don't, fine. If Arsenal go over, that's also fine. We're happy to let it go. But he fits the age profile. So he's twenty-four years old. He has a lot of potential. He's English. He fits. He fits. A, he basically checks a lot of boxes in terms of he can he look. can play the six or the eight. So he's flexible. Six, yeah, he can play the six, eight, or even center back. Right. So he fits so many roles within. Our team. And I think that's something that's very important when you look at players that City go for. They look for players that can fit a lot of roles, and we'll talk about Gavardi on a second, who can probably play those those roles as well. A lot of the, a lot of different roles. Um, but they go for players that can fit multiple roles, and, and Declan Rice was definitely a player that can fit multiple roles. Right, he could have played next to Rodri, he could have played as a centre back, and he could have played as a marauding eight box to box player. Right, so he had he fits a lot of roles. However, City looked at it and go, he's not worth one hundred five million. Right, and this is where I say, I think right now they look at the team. If Bernardo stays, and this is this, this is the key thing, right? It's all about Bernardo right now. Bernardo stays, they'll be happy to stay with the team they've got in midfield. They're happy to play Phil Foden in midfield. They'll be happy to play yeah, Bernardo. I think they'll midfield. sign a winger if Bernardo leaves, not a midfielder. You'd still need a midfielder, right? Just, just you'd need another option. You, you don't want to go. You don't. Wanna, you don't want to go with only three players that can play that forward eight role. Well, it, techni- technically, they have four. Julian Alvarez plays there too, right? He he was last year until Foden got in the last couple of games. If Kevin De Bruyne wasn't playing in that spot, Julian Alvarez was playing there. You, and you I think ar- also... Yeah, you could argue think, that, but then you're leaving yourself I think the short. other thing, too, is remember when Pep said... He said it sometime towards the end of the I, I year. To, he said... I, 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 need, I need to figure out... I know, I know what you're saying. You I need to, to figure out together. how to... I need <laughs> to figure out how to get Alvarez and Foden together, right? Yes. So I think... I don't think they're going to get it. If Bernardo leaves, I don't think another midfielder is coming. I think they're somewhat covered there and they're happy with their options because they have four options for three spots or for two spots. Um, I think they're going to go for a winger with either Bernardo or Mares. One of them leaves. And I think Bernardo will play more on the wing next year. Which is fine. Which is fine. But like I said, this is where it comes into the flexibility options, right? You need... You need more options for your positions, right? So like, it's fine if a player fills two positions like Alvarez, like Bernardo, but that's that's exactly exactly what I'm trying to say, right? So for me, I feel like the midfield rebuild is being pushed to next year because I don't like anyone on the market this season. There's no value in the market right now. So when you look at the market as a whole and you say, okay, find me a midfielder who can play box to box or can play very, very attacking, right? And the options right now are not that great. In terms of who's available, who can you realistically get from another team? Who you can afford from a from a value point? And you say, who do we go for? Right? It's there's not many options. So I feel like, and and this is kind of like our interest in in Jude Bellingham. Jude Bellingham fit many profiles. He's a box to box midfielder. He's an attacking midfielder. He can play next to Rodri. He can play even in the six if he needs to. And he fits so many profiles. You look at his bloody stats. He set up like a Christmas tree, right? So, uh, Bellingham was that, and he's young. He's always 19, English. Fits, again, ticking the boxes of everything you'd want in a future generational midfielder, right? So, I think right now, they're just going to 
go into next season. They'll probably start scouting early on in the season who's performing really well in that midfield. Maybe a new young player will come on the market. Something, someone will come out, uh, you know, break onto the scene, and you're like, "Oh, what a fantastic player!" It always happens every season. Every, every season, maybe something, maybe something. James McAtee breaks out. Who knows? You right? never know. It, it's possible. Exactly. Exactly. Look, look at Lavia last season, right? He had a fantastic breakout season at Southampton, and now you've got Liverpool, who are most likely going to get him for, you know, forty-five million plus or something like that. I don't want to get into that because I'll get pissed off. But <laughs> but basically what I'm trying to say is like there's no one that City actually value. And that's it's so important how City do transit business. They never rush. It's it, it can be – and this is the thing. It's a double-edged sword the way City operate in the transfer market. You'll get, you'll get scenarios like this where you go, we need a play, we need a play, we need a player, and we need to rebuild our midfield. And you feel like it's an urgency. But City will just go, nah, it's not an urgency – We'll be fine for one season without making a stupid decision where we get tied to a player for five to six years with a bad valuation because we rushed the decision. We've done it so many times. I don't know if people remember when we went for Rodri. That was a year-delayed decision, right? We, yeah, we, it was going to be we, Jorginho the year before. We were in for Jorginho the year before, and then Chelsea stumped us and paid over our evaluation. We got pissed off because we had a verbal agreement with Napoli, whatever. But then they started looking at other options in the market, even, even though it was very late into the market at that point. But they looked and, at other yeah, options they, in the market. And they, they said just that, decided we're not going to overpay and we don't like anybody. Exactly. So they said, we don't like anyone. So fine, we'll go into the next season with no no defensive extra midfielder. And they, and they managed fine without it for a whole season. And then the next season, Rodri comes on and they smash the release clause. And they probably worked on that deal for six months beforehand making sure that yeah. they can agree with the player. And then, obviously, the deal becomes really easy because it's a release clause. And four years later, I'm pretty sure Rodri works out. <laughs> we can... We can yeah. become- so, 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 yeah, so here, the end point here's I'm trying to get thing. to is that's how City do business, right? So, I don't yeah. think they'll rush into any midfield deals this season. I think it's going to be delayed to next season. Yeah, City are extremely picky on who they like. And they're not going to stretch on a player unless they really, really, really need that position. They're, they're not going to just like go get another one. You know what I mean? Um, In terms of the midfield rebuild, I think, and I I got a ton of backlash on Twitter about this opinion, but basically I think the big, I think the, really the only mistake of the, that we have done in terms of recruitment in the pep area and the pep era was last year, letting Romeo Lavia leave and not signing Enzo Fernandez from river plate when we had the chance and in turn bringing in Calvin Phillips. Uh, and the reason I say that is because I think city, like obviously I city's going to be fine, right? Like they will rebuild the midfield and it will probably be fine. But that mistake will likely cost them at least 100 million pounds. You know what I mean? Like they, I think Lavia is much better defensive midfielder than Calvin Phillips. I, I think it seems clear to me that, and I have changed my mind on this, by the way. Like I was, I was very hesitant to write Calvin Phillips off. And I thought, well, Obviously, he's struggling more than the average player in their first year. I'm not going to just chalk it up to, oh, it's his first season. So, 
you know, let's see what he does next year. No, he struggled more than Grealish did or than Mares or you name it, right? He struggled more than that. Uh, but I thought maybe he can turn it around. Like we still, there's the guy at Leeds that we saw and I, I felt like he's somewhere in there. Like there's a reason we liked him. But the more I think about it and the more I, like, if City's willing to, if there's stories coming out that City's willing to sell you six months after they signed you, that's it's just not happening. It's not happening for you. And they didn't trust you at all uh, to play you. So I, I just don't think it's going to happen for Phillips. And I think that mistake, and I know at the time their decision-making, I think Sam Lee said it, was Romeo Lobby is too young because he was 18. They they thought we really love him and he's definitely a city quality player, but he's eighteen and he's probably too young. And I think now looking back at it, if they were to do it over again, they would a hundred percent just keep Lavia, who's likely better than Phillips, not sign Phillips, and then also they you know I we've also heard that they had the chance to sign Enzo Fernandez just like they had the chance to sign Julian Alvarez and they didn't. I think. And one of the reasons was is they thought, well, he's not going to get much game time here. I think we looked at our thin squad last year. He probably would have gotten more game time than we expected, right? But I think those two, we would have gotten a top midfielder that's a box-to-box guy. We would have gotten a top defensive midfielder. The age profile of our midfield would go down dramatically. Um, And in the end, it's going to work out because we're City, but I think... Those mistakes cost City likely at least a hundred million pounds, if not more. And look, it's just, it, and that's fine, right? So, like you said, it will be fine. And and teams do make transfer mistakes. You're always going to make a transfer mistake. We've got a very clean record when it comes to transfer business. You know what I mean? You know, you look at the last seven years of of transfer buys. There's not many names that fit a bad buy. Probably Ben Mendy, but that's injury issues, off 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 the field issues. Yeah, uh, that's 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 other Phillips. issues because when he was healthy and not he, injured, he was incredible. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely, man. If you if you watch if you watch Ben Mendy videos when he was at Monaco, <laughs> what a player! Oh, even right? even before he got injured at City, like he was incredible at the beginning of the year. Yep. Yeah. So you know, and that's the thing. Like we haven't had many misses right so you are going to miss players you are going to miss out on targets i think enzo like you said was a was one of those it's like a sliding doors moment right it's like it's it happens right it it's like you know hindsight is 2020 when you look back and go we should have signed that player there's been so many players like that i remember when we missed out on van dyke um and everyone's like we should have signed him you know that would have sorted our issue in 2020 when we needed a center back desperately and we went for Harry Maguire that didn't work out and then we went to the season without any center backs you know these decisions do tend to happen from time to time and it's because you can never you know you always when you sign a player it's like okay he fits the profile he has the right mentality he's ticking a bunch of boxes for what we need but sometimes it just doesn't work out Um, and I think unfortunately for Calvin Phillips I think he does fall into that category of it's just not going to work out for whatever reason it's He's not going to get the game time that he needs. And I, I think now with Kovacic in the team, Kovacic is more of a defensive midfielder than Gondon ever was. And he can play that role really well. I think I feel like if if Pep gets forced to rotate Roger, he's going to play Kovacic in that role. Um, 
unless Calvin Phillips really shows something in preseason. You know, he's he's got to prove himself within the next two to three months to get, you know, game time. Because Pep yeah. just won't Pep just won't play him. And and we've we've seen it last year. Rodri was playing, you know, I think he played at the end of the season in about five thousand minutes. Right? So Rodri was exhausted by the end of the season. Exhausted. He he literally was hunching on his he couldn't breathe after games, right? So and and he didn't he basically didn't play for like three weeks, you know, after that Chelsea game. Or even before that, so you could see how much Rodri did play, and how how important that role is for our team. Yeah, he needs more cover. He he just he needs does. more cover, right? And we don't know. Rodri might come into this season very tired again because it's a short turnaround from the season, right? And we've got a lot of games to play. We've got the Club World Cup. We've got the Super Cup. We've got League Cup again. You know, there's so many games. They're gonna come thick and fast, right? So. For me, these two months that we're going to see are very crucial for Calvin Phillips. And I think I think Phillips needs to make a decision. If, if he plays preseason and Pep says to him and has a conversation with him and says, you are not good enough for my team right now, then Calvin Phillips needs to make a decision if he should leave or not. Right now, he doesn't want to leave. He feels like I can go prove myself. But if Pep makes it very clear to him that you're not going to get much game time because I don't trust you, that's on Calvin I Phillips think I, I think he may want to leave just so he can stay in the England team because That's I don't think thing. I don't Euro think if he's team. not played for a whole other year he's not going to get picked for the England squad. Yep. So and, the, and it's the Euros next season. So exactly. Got, so that'll be that'll be a decision. I think we've covered enough on the midfield for now. Um, we've kind of gone through a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's move on to the guy who it seems like City are going to get or it's it's very advanced. It might it may even happen before this podcast comes up. We honestly have no idea. Um but it's Josko Gvardiol, also known as the Croatian Pep Guardiola. <laughs> His name is like Josko is probably Joseph is my guess would be in Croatian. Uh Pep is Josep in Catalan. And then Guardiola, it's literally the same name. It, it, like, he is our coach, uh, which is hilarious. I, I've known about this guy for, like, three years now, and I'm like, there's no way this guy is Croatian Pep. Love it. Well, he needs to shave his head if he wants to be Pep, all right? <laughs> He's losing his hair. Hey, Pep didn't have a shaved head when he played either. So. No, that's true. That's true. You still got time um, to become a bold fraud like the rest of us. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, okay, uh, Gavardiol, it, it's this signing is seemingly like a replacement for Laporte, even though the club have made it pretty clear that regardless of whether Laporte stays or goes, they're bringing this guy in, right? Um, so, what do you? I would put it like this. He's obviously not a left back. He's the quote unquote left back signing. Uh, what do you think of City committing to the four center backs, essentially? Or four very defensive players at the back slash the three two in build up? What, what do you think of City just uh, seemingly this is them going all in? Well, we just want to treble doing that. So, yeah, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Do it again. Go for the quad next season, you know, up, up the ante. No, look, 
I, I, I think this is the right the right move. And again, it's a player that's young, that fits different roles, can play left back, can play left center back, maybe could even play next to Rodri in that Stones role. He's he's got a, he's he's pretty good at dribbling. He's pretty good at progressing the ball. He's a lot of he has a lot of correct instincts. Very good defensive player. Um, again, ticking a lot of boxes. What is he? Twenty one, right? So he's he, yeah. he is he is ticking the boxes for the future of, of of our defense. You know, if you look at our defense when Gavardio does come in, you're looking at a twenty one year old Gavardio, a twenty six year old Ruben Diaz, a twenty eight year old John Stones, a twenty seven year old Akanji, a twenty seven year old Ake. Right? Your defense is sorted for years. Right, if if it works out, and I think it will work out because he literally fits so many profiles and so many, like I said, check boxes that City would want in a defender. Um, yeah, he's got long balls, short passes, progressive passes, everything you want in a player that in a Pep team he fits that mold. Um, and I think this is one for the future, right? So he's he's world class right now, but he's also for the future. And whether you spend eighty million on him or eighty five million on him. He's going to become a bargain in five years, right? When with transfer inflation, the way it's going, and it's going to keep going up and up and up, you'll look at this Gvardiol signing in five years and go, what a bargain. You know, this guy's given us five years uh, of fantastic football already, and he's only 26. <laughs> like, that's 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 what you got to look at when you're looking at a, at a signing like this, and I think that's what it is. And it goes back to what you were saying with, with like Declan Rice or like when you want a player or City really want a player. This is one of those signings where City's like, we want this player to be part of our team for now and the future. And that's exactly what he does. That's exactly what he fits. So I I think I sent this to you. I think it was Opta Sports did the five central defenders with the most upfield passes covered the most distance in the 2022 World Cup. Okay, here's the four or here's the five guys. Okay, Rodri, number one, because he played center back for Spain in the World Cup. Number two, Gavardiol. Number three, Odomendi. Number four, John Stones. Number five, Laporte. (laughs) What do they all have in common, right? He fits this system perfectly. And I'll go even farther, like this 3-2 3-2 that we have fits him even more perfectly. Like, if we were bringing him in as just a regular center back and we were going to do a regular thing, I would be more than ecstatic already. But he, because the way it is in this, like, 3-2 is it's the, the two wider center backs are more like hybrid fullback slash center backs, right? Because yeah. Walker plays there on the right-hand side, and Walker is, like, a much bigger more defensive, more physical fullback. So he can play there. And like Akanji can get right up the field. Ake gets up the field. Like when we when we're pressuring somebody in their box and we have it in their third, one of those two guys is like where a fullback normally is. They're very they're almost in the box. And Gavardiol fits that perfectly because he's really good going forward. Like you said, really good progressive passing, progressive carrying. He's like I mean, I did a whole thread on it. You can you can go look at my Twitter. But basically, he plays that perfectly. He's got loads of pace. He's like he's built for that position. He's so good on the ball. Like I think he will step in and almost immediately be our best defender, which is crazy to say considering we have 
John Stones and Ruben Diaz and and Akanji, like they've all been so great, right? And this guy is going to step in at age 21 and be every bit as good, if not better than all of them. Like that's how good that's this a, guy that, that's is. That's a bold claim, Sam. That's a bold I, claim. <laughs> that's fine. Because I will say, okay, I will say it. I think if you're looking at like generational, generational guys in like different positions, right? Well, not even different different parts of the field. So you have like generational defensive player, a generational midfielder, and a generational striker, right? I think in uh, for the young players in that era, you have Holland as the striker or the forward in general. You have Jude Bellingham as the midfielder in that area, like the generational once-in-a-lifetime type players. In defense, it's Gvardiol. Like, he is the Holland of defense. That's how good he is. Like, I yeah. don't know if you saw the ESPN 100 list that came out today. They do this every offseason. And obviously, like, you know, nobody's ever going to agree with anything. There are definitely things I don't agree on. But the number two center back in the world, they put as Gavardiol right behind Ruben Diaz. And he's 21. You give him time with Pep, he's he's that good. And I think he can also invert and play that Stones role. Like, that's how good he is on the ball. So he can do that as well. But this guy, he's absolutely unbelievable. And we, yeah. we will see it. I know it doesn't. It's not really that exciting, right? Because Second our up. defense was so good last year already. And everybody's like, that was our strongest position, right? We had, we were loaded. So it doesn't feel as sexy as like Holland who comes in. We need a striker. We get the best striker. One of the best strikers in the world, right? This is... We're bringing somebody in a position where we're already strong, so it's it's not as sexy, right? But we're gonna love this guy. Like he yeah. is that good. I, I, and, and look, I think from a from a squad building perspective, you know, we when Laporte goes, you still end, you only end up with five uh, center backs still, right? With Gavardiol, and you've got three positions to fill. And Walker might go, right? So there's there's rumors that Walker's gonna go to Bayern Munich right now. So you kind of need bodies in there if Laporte, Laporte and Walker go. And Gavardio kind of protects you against that. And, and we've seen our center backs. They've always had injury issues. Stones gets injured every season. Arke gets injured every season. Diaz has been getting injured every season. So you're going to need cover, right? You know, I think we're a bit fortunate at the end of the season. It's very, very rare that you see a team with from, from April to, to May have... Uh, not many, not many, um, not, not many injuries. This is how I would put it: is we have because the way it's set up is we have the three-two and build up right, but then in defense we go to a four-four-two, so we go to a flat back four, even with four center backs. And so the way I look at it is for the the quote-unquote back four, which is the three in defense when we build up, and then one person inverted or in midfield next to Rodri. I think for those four spots, we need seven players, personally. Uh, currently, if Laporte goes and Gvardiol comes in, we have seven players because we would have um, the five center backs, Kyle Walker and Rico Lewis. Rico Lewis can play that inverted role. No, Stones can play that inverted role. I think Gvardiol... If you're getting such game misses, he, he's going to get loaned out. <laughs> he's going to get loaned out. I'm not. I'm so? not counting him. Yes, he's getting loaned out. Okay. 
I, I uh, don't count him because I just I don't really think he's gonna get much time. Even if he yeah. does stay next year, I don't think he's. He might I don't get really think time. he's. Yeah, he, I don't. I don't consider him kind of like part of the rotation. He's more of like Carabao Cup and when we're up four 0 you know what I mean? Because so, Ake and Gavadio can both play left back, essentially, right? Yeah, exactly. Like that left-sided center back slash left back. It can be Ake. It can be Gavardio. So yeah. that's covered. And either of them can play in the middle if needed. Like, But there's Ruben Diaz in the middle. There can be John Stones. In the, any of the center backs can play across any of the back three, right? Um, and for the inverted part, I'd see mostly Stones and Lewis, but I think Gavardiol could do it too. And so how Pep wants to shape that is is it's kind of up to him. He can do it however he wants. But I personally would like to have seven for those four spots just because, like you said, somebody's always injured. Like it's it's pretty rare that everyone's healthy between yeah. Stones. Like Stones always has injury problems. And a Diaz, lot of games. Yeah, and Diaz, we got the Club World Cup next year too, so that's even more games. Like, th- there's just a lot of games, like you said, and there's a, and it seems like somebody in the back line is always getting a knock of some sort. So I would like to ideally have seven to cover those those four spots, and yeah, Gavardiol I think will be great, and it obviously seems like Laporte is going to go. Yeah, um, I think look. I- it, so, all yeah. in all, all in all, I think it's a top signing, no matter what, right? Like, like I said, it's one for the future, one for now, one for the present, future, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's, it's generational. A, it's, it's a fantastic signing. Let's be honest, and I, and I'll pay the eighty five million, right? It's 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 worth it. And absolutely, you look at us spend the last two three years, we've we've been run fantastically. So, in terms of you know how that affects us going for a midfielder next season, I don't think it will affect us at all. I think it, it, it will still have 100 million plus budget if needed for for a generational midfielder next season, whoever that may be. Yeah, I think so. We have plenty of budget for whatever positions we need strengthening, really. Yeah. yeah um, I agree. So let's talk about some outgoings now. Who okay? So out of <laughs> I think these are the four that are most likely well not most likely to go but the four that have been rumored to go. Um, you tell me the most likely to go if it's either one or two or maybe more okay. um, between Mares, Bernardo, Walker, and Phillips. Who do you think is going this summer? Cancelo. <laughs> Oh, I mean, uh, I knew that one. Come on. <laughs> Hashtag trick- find Kinsella at home. <laughs> yeah, find, find Kinsella. That, that was a trick question. Trick answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, so obviously Kinsella is on the first list. And, you know, although you didn't mention him, but from those names, I'd say Laporte's top of the list in terms of who's gone. Um, and then I'd go down to, um, you said Bernardo, Walker, and Phillips, right? So I think uh, yeah, Mares, Bernardo, Walker, and Phillips. Mares, Bernardo, Walker, and Phillips. So I think so. Of those, I, who do you think's going? I think Mares stays. Right. I don't. I think we would have heard more from a Saudi offer by now. Um, and I, I think City just keep him. Right. Just, yeah, and it's fine to keep him. Look, if if Saudi come in with a massive offer, they'll sell him. 
and they'll go in into the market again for a right winger. But I think they're comfortable right now with with where that is, and I don't, I don't see him going. So I'd put him at the bottom of the list. Um, Phillips, I'd put him second bottom of the list, and that's purely because I don't think he wants to leave. Right. So then, and that's a, that's a huge impact. The guy's got five years left on his deal. Um, he wants to prove himself, and that's that's his that's his right from a contract point of view, right? You know, a contract goes both ways. No matter how much you yeah. might want him out, that's if he wants to stay, that's his decision. Yeah, um, if he doesn't he, want to leave, he he's not. They can't force him to. They can't force him, right? And he will stay in the squad, um, and you know he might get a chance, and he might surprise us all. Who knows? I don't think he will, but he might. Um, so I think he's less one of the least likely to go out of those. And then you've got Bernardo and Walker, right? So. Between Bernardo and Walker, I see it's tough, right? So I'd probably put him as equal chance of leaving because both of their situations are complicated. So Walker's Walker wants to go to Bayern, or that's the rumor that Bayern wants him. But I don't know if City will be willing to sell him because again, you sell Walker, right? You have to go back in the market for another right back. I don't know if they will. I don't know if they will, but you kind of need to. You'd be short again. It's like it's like it's like we just you talked about, you know, we just talked about ha- having all these all these players for the for the for the back line, and you know, if you just walk suddenly, then suddenly you're short again, right? So it, it does. It, I know the reports have been like we're not going to go for a replacement if we sell Walker, but at the same time, it's like, well, who are you kidding? Are we just saying that so so we don't get you know ripped off in the market or something like that? From from a squad building perspective, it's like you're going to need a player in there. You're going to need someone. You know, it's Ricky Lewis. Well, here's, play. here's the other thing, too, is there's a chance. I'm not saying it's a great chance, but there's a chance that say somebody doesn't meet Laporte's valuation. OK, and Laporte stays and Walker goes. And there you go. Mm. Right. Yeah, it, it's that could it's happen. possible because it seems like City is not willing to budge on valuations like. Every report that's come out has basically said that they want what they paid for him, which is right around 60 million pounds. I think it's like 55 to 60. That's not cheap. I have, and I have a, I, I'll be honest. I've got a little feeling that Laporte's deal's done in terms of where he's going. It's just we haven't heard about it. It's one of those things. He's still on holiday. You've got to remember, right? We finished, we, City did finish the season the last, right? Well, the last team to finish the season. So all the players come back late. All the players come back from the holidays late. So there's all the, there's got to, like we've got to consider that in terms of like outgoings, right? So I feel like in this next week we'll hear a lot more on outgoings, and you've already seen it, right? We we, we you know James Trafford to Burnley, and then I think there's a there might be a slight thing to do with like a financial accounts thing in terms of like you know end of financial year you sell players yeah. after the end of the financial year. I think that kind of impacts your books in terms of sales. We had so many sales in the in the last window, right? So in the last financial year between 2022 and 2023. So I feel like it's it's probably better to sell players in the next period so you can add more money into your books for next season, etc. Little little nerdy financial uh, you know, curve. But um in terms of in, in terms of deals like Laporte, I feel like he will go, right? And and for that reason, I he, he, pro- was, he should. The, like, he the, wants the guy to leave. Was, yeah, the guy was crying on the last game of, uh, you know, yeah. that he had. And he, he also, he also. I remember he had these cryptic words on Instagram, like, you know, Rainburn. I don't know what he said. I can't remember it right now. But there's like these cryptic words that he said. It's like, he he kind of knows he's going. And, and, and that must mean he has an agreement with a club. 
and it's just about working out the deal. It's working out the the timings and all that stuff. So give it a couple of weeks and he'll be gone. That's that's my feeling right now. It's the same thing with Cancelo. Like we haven't heard anything about Cancelo, but I'm sure Mendes is working in the background to try to get him a deal. Same thing with Bernardo. Bernardo Bernardo's where one of those weird ones, right? He wants to go to Spain. But no one in Spain nope. wants him. Nobody in Spain <laughs> wants him. So, so that's kind of yeah. the the Bernardo one is really, I think, the most likely to go. I don't think both of them will go, but I think the most likely will be Bernardo and Mares. Um And I, I think, I think one. Of, I think I think one of them will. I don't yeah. know which one, but I think Mares is more fifty fifty than we think. And I'll give you some. I'll make the argument for why he may want to go to Saudi Arabia. Um, first, he is closer to the end. Of, he's what, 32, 33, right? So he's closer to the end of his career, and they're offering him a boatload of money, okay? But even without the money, okay, he is like, he's Muslim. It, it's it's conceivable that it has, it's not nothing that you get to play in Saudi Arabia in the Holy land. Right. That's like, I, I don't know how religious he is exactly, but that's not nothing. You know what I'm I saying? I don't, I don't, I don't think he's that religious, but <laughs> I, he, I know he fasts, but I don't know how religious he is. Um, but regardless like that, I think that has at least some weight, not just that, but also playing in an Arab country and, the other thing is, uh, one thing I learned, so the team that wants to sign him, Al-Ahli, okay, they're one of the top four that are owned by the Saudi Public Investment Fund, and they're the only one that hasn't made a marquee signing yet. Like, the only player from Europe that they've really signed, I think, is Edouard Mendy, and all of the other ones have, like, some sort of star. Like, one has Ronaldo, one has Benzema, you know what I mean? Like, they all have somebody. They don't, this team hasn't had anybody. So they want Mares to be that guy. And also, like, Mares, who is one of the best Arab players in the world, probably Salah is the only other better Arab player who actually plays for his country. I know Benzema's Arab, but that plays for his country. He'll be worshiped in Saudi Arabia. Okay. He'll be like the star of the team, worshiped. They're going to push really hard for him just because they need that marquee signing and just way more money. And he's, you know, he's 33. He's won everything in English football already. I, It's not nothing. You know what I mean? Like, I, to me, it's 50-50. Just for all of those, all of those things combined, that, that can't be nothing. Uh, yeah. And then with Bernardo. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, just, just on the Mahrez thing. I don't think Mahrez... So, I, I agree with you. There's, like, a lot of other factors involved. But the only thing with Mahrez, I'd say, is he still wants to play top-level football. You know, he's 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 said it multiple times. Like, why would I go anywhere else? I'm already at the top of football. I'm at Man City. And he loves the club, right? So, I, I, don't, I don't think he'll go based on that. And I don't think... Uh, look... If he does agree to the terms, I think there's the other part where City is going to demand a massive fee, right? Because that will leave them very short on a right wing that they need filling. And again, it's one of those things like, who do you go for when that right wing spot opens up? And he opens up a whole another bag of worms. So I feel like City, are, it's pushing, 
it'll be pushing City into a direction they don't want to deal with right now. So they'll like put a high valuation just for the sake of putting a high valuation. And that's why I think it might be a roadblock. But right now, like there's a lot of rumors about, you know, them being interested in him, but there hasn't been much rumors about him wanting to actually leave. So that's why I feel like I'm not that confident on him leaving. But now I, I see him has a more likely chance of leaving. But like you said, there is <laughs> he wants to go to a Spanish club and no Spanish clubs want him. Yeah, I think the thing with Bernardo is that there's two teams that really, or two places he, he could theoretically go, and that's PSG or Saudi Arabia. And PSG right now, they've made like 100 signings already this year, especially in the midfield. So are they really going to pay what City's asking for after making all these? Now it's possible because it's PSG and they just spend money without regard to anything and they have Messi off of their books. So it, it's very possible. Um, but also, like, does he want to go to PSG? Like, he wanted to go to Spain. I think if it was just between City and PSG, he, he probably opted to just stay at City. And with Saudi Arabia, like, they're just going to offer him an ungodly amount of money. And I, I wouldn't really bemoan him for going there but i don't he's 28 i don't know if he'd want to leave europe just yet so a a report just came out by the way saying that um that he's actually he actually wants to see the offer from saudi (laughs) i wouldn't blame him because like his agent is george mendez george mendez has shipped out all of his clients to saudi arabia right like Ruben Neves. Man man is getting paid. <laughs> yeah, Ruben Neves. Even the coaches, like Nuno is over there. I think somebody, <laughs> they tried to get Mourinho to go over there. Like, I saw the list of, like, coaches that some of the Saudi teams wanted. Every single one of them was Portuguese. And I'm like, yeah, yeah it makes sense. Because, like, it was, like, Paulo Fonseca, I think, who is also a Mendes client, I believe. It was Nuno. It was, like, Bruno Lodge. Just literally all the Mendes clients. And... Yeah, Mendez is just shipping his dudes over there. So, to me, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Bernardo went. Just because, like, you, that is an ungodly amount of money to turn down. <laughs> like, that's, yeah, that's and, the thing. And, it's like, and that's, it's that, is, that turn, is generational yeah. money. And when you've won, and that's the thing, too, is they've all won a Champions League now. So, it could just be like, hey, I've won everything. I'm ready to go. I'm yeah. ready to go. Bernardo could theoretically, he's young enough where he could come back in two years and go to somewhere else in Europe, right? He'd come back, back in two Benfica. years. Exactly. He'd come back when he's 30, having made more money than God, and go wherever he wants. <laughs> so that's that's theoretically possible as well. So, But the thing is, like, that's hard. That's going to be a tough decision for him to make against City, which mm-hmm. he loves the people at City. He yeah, and he like he's he's comfortable, right? He loves Pep. He he he's got friends. His dog is named John Stones. Like they love him. It's just a thing of like, would he is the grass really greener? Whereas he wanted to go to Spain, and he's not going to get it. So, um, yeah, my, it's going to be a tough one. Honestly, my feelings right right now is that both Bernardo and Maris stay. That's my honest feelings. I, I don't. I, ha- I have a feeling one of them is going to go. I don't know which yeah. one, but I have a feeling one of them will. You know, but I, 
It's an interesting thing because if Bernardo does stay, though, does he sign? Does he sign a new contract? I think I think City's going to really want like push him to, and they'll say yeah, like, "Look, going to his final you sign year. a new contract, and then if Barcelona ever has the money for you, we'll sell you." Maybe put a release clause or something like that for like Barcelona or Real Madrid. <laughs> Potentially, yeah, but I mean, I I think they're going to want him to sign a new deal if he stays. Yeah, in in the most unlikely hypotheticals, would you swap Bernardo Silva for Frankie De Jong right now? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. If but that is it's such a that is a very big. Well, it's it's a bad hypothetical because that's a big if, right? Yeah, it's huge because that if is would Frankie De Jong want to come play for City? It doesn't seem like he wants to play anywhere but Barcelona. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I don't think it's a, it's a does he want to come to City or does he not want to come play for Pep? I think it's a. Would he ever want to leave Barcelona? And the answer is no. <laughs> yeah, I think obviously if he ever left, I don't. I think City would obviously the be, be the best option for him. But yeah, like, like Frankie he- De Jong has said in multiple interviews. I, I was watching a thing about it was like a kind of like an all or nothing documentary on Barcelona when Xavi first got there, and there was an interview they had with Frankie De Jong, and he's like, "Yeah, I've been dreaming about playing for Barcelona since I was basically born." And yeah. he would take he, – and I don't think he ever wants to leave. Yeah, I, I, I think he's the type of player that will – basically, they were shitting on him in last year's transfer market. Like, he's making – like, I, I don't know if you remember the reports that were coming out from a lot of Barcelona mouth, mouthpieces. Basically, Laporta was, like, trashing him in, in, in the news, essentially, through through, yeah. through journalists, where he, where he was being blamed for all of – Barcelona's financial troubles and had all the all the shit being stuck on him. Like, why is he not wanting to go to Manchester United? We need the money. We need the money. Um, and a lot of fans turned against him, but he's like, I'm still staying. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. I'm not going to Manchester United. <laughs> and if and if and if and if and if if that was being forced on him then and he still didn't go, he's 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 not going to go until his contract expires. And then yeah. Barcelona, and when he's when his contract probably close to expiring, Barcelona just looking and they'll probably have fixed their financial issues by then, and they'll also look at it as like, well, we don't want you to leave on a free, so let's resign you anyway. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I think he's just going to stay there forever. Maybe he does have a change of heart and he wants to go play for Pep and play for City, but yeah. I doubt it. I mean, this, if he does though, if he ever says he's open to coming to play for City, go get him. Absolutely, go get 100%. him. And and there's the other thing with with Pep, right? Like right now, he's only got two years left in his contract, and this might be his final rodeo, right? So it's it's getting more and more unlikely that he signs a new contract. Um, he might sign. Uh, my feeling is he'll sign. We, a we one just don't deal. know. My, my I don't feel, know. We feel, ju- we just don't yeah. know because so much happens in two years. Like yeah, in two years we could have a completely revamped squad, and he could say, "I want to keep going." Yeah, you know, you I, just don't know. My my honest feeling is next season, next summer. He'll sign another one-year deal on top to go to ten, just so he can do ten years. Because yeah, leaving at nine years doesn't doesn't sound that great. Leaving at ten years, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and maybe he'll do yeah. the pod in that last year <laughs> on the tenth year. Um, but yeah, look, it's been a great pod. I think there's only a couple other things to mention off the field. City have done some. It's got a new sleeve sponsor, new 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 um new training sponsor. We've added like ten million into commercial revenue. That that'll get um the rivals all 
you know, riled up and on how we're cooking the books again. <laughs> yeah, you know what's you know what's weird about that is I have a friend who's like a very rational like thinker, right? And he's and uh, become irrational. He, he, <laughs> but no, one thing that he like he just doesn't believe is that city make more money than any other club. Like he's like, I just don't believe that. And I, yeah. I, every time I ask him why he's like, well, look at United's fan base and look at like, you know, Jersey sales and whatever, like city's not going to come close to that. And I think what people, most people don't realize is that most of your money comes from your TV deals, your ad revenue and your prize money. Right? Like that's that like Jersey sales and, you know, like match day revenues, not really that much compared to the other stuff. It goes to show, so, and this is something I've noticed about City. City's financials make people have, make rational people like your friend have very irrational opinions um, about financial things. Things that they don't really understand and they start having really strong opinions about and it it really grinds my gears. Like I've seen people now complaining about James Trafford 19 million pound deal being yeah, what <laughs> being, being suspicious and burnley's like, the one that paid it like, I'm like i'm like guys are you serious like do you realize how many how many people are involved in a transfer and you're calling that dodgy are you like you're, you're being very very irrational like i understand when people go oh, look you've got 115 charges maybe in 2012 you did something dodgy whatever fine i can I we're not selling it. him to, to we're not yeah, selling exactly. him to Girona. We're yeah, selling exactly, to a right? different club. That different club is paying the money. This is exactly my point. How people have really irrational opinions when it comes to financial things about City and about like even your friend saying like they make they like United sell more jerseys in City. Sorry to break it to you, you don't get more money when you sell more jerseys. United have in this example, Manchester United actually kit deal does not have any sales that count towards their kit deal. Their kit deal is a fixed fee every year. It's 76 million pounds every single year right now. And on top of that, if they don't make the Champions League two years in a row, it actually gets reduced by 30%. That's in their contract with Adidas. So, yeah. So, that's, that's kind of the thing. Yeah. You have these irrational commercial financial um, opinions from people that have no understanding or done no research into things. And then it's, there's slinging shit at the wall. And it's and it's part because I think it's, it's a media thing, right? A lot of media like, you know, City do this, City have 115 charges. And they, they expect City to be doing bad something things. Something wrong. In yeah, yeah, something wrong in 2023. And it's like, no, man. If they did something wrong in 2012, doesn't mean they might have done something wrong in 2023. Yeah, that's... It's I mean, I've that too. Yeah, a lot of irrational takes that happen... Uh, on a regular basis, when it comes to yeah, Man City's financial thing, yeah, same same he, thing with their like, spend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just for him, he's like, well, I I just don't believe that. I'm like, well, I mean, that's that's where your money comes from, right? Like, the Premier League makes more money than any other league combined, and they split the money evenly. You have Premier League prize money, you have Champions League prize money, and you get extra money every time. You go, for, you make the Champions League, then you go to the round of 16. You get more money every time, right? So then, and then on top of that, they got the FA Cup. And then on top of that, like, they, their shirt sponsors aren't like way more money than everybody else's. They're pretty comparable. They might not even be the most expensive shirt sponsors. But like, people just don't understand the financial side of it. They just think, oh, if you have the biggest fan base, you're making the most money. And it's just not true. It's not. 
Yeah, fa- fan base doesn't really have that much of an impact as much as people think on commercial revenue. It's actually it's actually success that drives commercial revenue because it's all about eyes on TV. You know, if City are making Champions League finals, FA Cup finals, League Cup finals, always at the top of the Premier League, they're kind of regularly watched. People don't like to admit it, but they are regularly watched, not just by City fans, but by neutrals and neutrals that are just interested in seeing what happens, right? <laughs> That's eyes on the TV. That's eyes for the person putting money towards City. And then you look at from a from a social media perspective, etc. It's all about engagement, etc. There's there's a lot of data that goes into these things. People are just not giving city money for the sake of giving city money. There's there's a lot well, of research that goes into the background of these things before people that's kind of the sponsor city. <laughs> that's kind of the other thing is like people still also don't believe that the Etihad is full every game. Like yeah, they just that, yeah, it's all that re- they just assume that it's not because really the, the yeah. same the, the same friend thinks the same thing. And he's like, and I told him, like, you know that City had, like, 99.7% attendance or whatever this year at the Etihad. And he's like, I, I don't believe that. Like, it's it's more <laughs> empty than that. I'm like, dude, I went to a game. There was not an empty seat. And I went to, like, a regular game. I went to Leeds, relegated Leeds. I didn't go to, like, any, you know, like, I didn't go to a top, Derby top or something game, like yeah. that. Like. It's it. He's just like, yeah, I <laughs> like and he's I like, yeah, I, why would they want to expand their stadium if they're not filling it? And I'm like, they, they are filling it, though. Like there's like 100 empty seats every game. It's it's like it's like I said, it's, it's irrational opinions. And then when the facts don't match the opinions, it's I don't believe it. And it's like, come on, man, <laughs> just apply logic. Use your logic. I'm being emotional. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's weird because (laughs) it's weird just because this guy like generally is pretty rational about things. Just for whatever reason, he seems to think that fan base drives revenue, and it just frankly it doesn't. It doesn't. It's like I'm never gonna say I'm never gonna sit here and say that City have the size of fan base of a Real Madrid or a Barcelona or a Bayern Munich because they don't. At least not right now, but. That doesn't matter when you're making like look at Barcelona. Look at all the financial debt that they're in. That like they're one of the biggest clubs in the world. That it doesn't make them any more money. Yep. Yeah, for, for, football football makes people have very emotional and irrational um, decisions and sp- uh, thinkings because of the tribalism involved, right? You don't you don't want to admit you know, it's like admitting your rivals doing really, really well. It's just you don't want Well, yeah. And that's the weird thing about particularly this friend is like he's it's not like he's an Arsenal fan. He's a Palace fan. You know, like he's he's a neutral more than anything. He's not like he's yeah, not like it's, it's, he has a vested interest thinking that City's like stealing the title from his team. You know, it's just it's odd. And I guess I, I put that forward just to say like there are just some people who aren't gonna believe it, but it's whatever. It's because, like yeah, City's doing because, great job. It's because they read they read the surface of headlines and stuff no one look if you're not a city fan right if you're not a city fan and generally a financial nerd you're not going to look into football financials for manchester city i do because i like that side of the game and i also love my club so i actually look into things right i i dive a lot deeper than someone else would but someone like that's a crystal palace fan and i've got other fans that i know that are not top six fans 
and they have the same opinions, but it's just because they're scratching the surface of all the headlines and then opinions. But you just got to dive a lot deeper to actually understand what's actually happening, how things work, and then you can actually form an opinion. But most, like I said, most people when it comes to football, they're just going to give their opinion, whether whether it's facts or not, because, you know, it's like assholes. Everyone's got an opinion. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll end the pot on that. <laughs> All right. Well, it's good, it's good to be back, uh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be back. Got the juices flowing. I'm feeling great. All it's right. Treble winners. Treble winners. Treble winners. Treble winners. Well, we hope everybody has a has a good time listening to this. Um, we'll be back hopefully soon with some more news as it comes. And uh, for now, we will see you guys later. Thanks, guys. Catch you.